you know, one of my favorite things to discuss and talk about, because I think um, as a believer, um, you know, once we get born again, that's just the beginning of the process. Amen. And where do all of us struggle the most? All of us. Where do we struggle the most? In our thinking. Amen? We all get attacked in our mind and in our thinking. Amen? And uh, it's the renewing of the mind is what's going to um, ensure whether we succeed or whether we fail. How you think will determine what you do for the rest of your life. You can have every attribute. You can be, you can have, you know, I, I think I like to use Tiger Woods as an example. Tiger Woods is just a perfect physical specimen. You know, he had good teaching. He had good coaching. His father got him out there when he was young. But what made Tiger so dominant was his mind. It's like Tom Brady for the Patriots, if you like sports. Tom Brady says, we are going to play this game until I win. I don't care what the score is. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how down we are. And it is developing a mindset that I cannot lose. Now imagine us as a believer having that mindset that I'm going to play this game until I win. I am not going to let go of my faith promise until it manifests in my presence. It's like Jacob wrestling with God. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And when we can learn to develop that kind of a tenacity in our thinking, we all get attacked in our minds. Amen? Joyce Meyer probably wrote the preeminent book, The Battlefield of the Mind. It's an, an outstanding book of how we all get attacked. Men, we get attacked differently than women because we think differently. Amen? And so we have to be aware. And so as I was going back, and I really this all came from, how do you have holy thoughts? I want to have holy thoughts. How about you? Amen. Amen. I want to have holy thoughts. Well, there's a biblical way of doing that. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But I kind of went back and studied a little bit today. What am I renewing my mind from? Because I guarantee you, as I start reading some of the things that we each get attacked with, you're going to all recognize one or two things with, yeah, I can identify with that. You know, when we talk about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, we talk about the lust, all sin, let me just say this, all sin flows out of three categories. There is only three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's in 1 John. Amen? And I'm going to get into detail what, what each one of those means. But each one of us gets attacked in one of those areas in our thinking. And uh, this is what we are constantly having to renew our mind from. Tonight, when I went to the sports banquet, um, usually, you know, your house on a Tuesday night is like mine. You rush in, you wash your face, you get a taquito and a piece of watermelon, you jump, you, you know, you eat, your, you eat your dinner really, really quick. You know, you're on the move, but I just felt like the Lord said, just take a few minutes, go back and reread Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm so glad that I did because I just sat there and just renewed my mind a little bit. And you know what the end of it all came to be? Love. We are to constantly be renewing our minds so that we can walk 
in love. If we're not renewing our minds on a regular daily basis, we are not able to walk the love that we need in order to be successful in this life. There are people that are in your life right now that unless you spend quality time meditating, studying, confessing, and acting out on the love of God, they're never going to change. You're waiting for them to change, but God's waiting for you to change. You have got to get it to such a level of love that you don't care what they think about you anymore. You have to get to such a level that the fear of man, that the love of God is greater than the fear of man. Amen? You have to develop such a high level of love to be able to have hard conversations with people and do it in love. Amen? Would we all agree that Jesus is coming back? He's coming back soon. Amen? There's a lot of people in our lives that are not born again yet. It's time to start having those hard conversations, but the only way that you can do that is to really build yourself in love. And so that's really the end of where we're going. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. Bill, give me just a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 24. Actually, the entire, I just encourage you to read the entire chapter, uh, Ephesians 4. It's outstanding. Uh, beginning in verse 20, um, I'd love to start in verse 1, but we don't have time. We'll go to verse, start in verse 20. It says, but you did not so learn Christ, assuming that you have really heard Him. I love that. Assuming that you've really heard Him. Paul's saying, so if you've really heard Christ, I'm assuming that you really heard Him. If you really heard Him, this is what should happen. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. Amen? A lot of people right now are listening to what I have to say, but are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Are you getting the revelation of what we're trying to talk about tonight? There's a big, big difference. Assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him. Verse 22, strip yourself of your former nature Put off and disregard your old, unrenewed self, which has characterized your previous manner of life. And that word strip means cast off, lay aside, and put away. So it says strip yourself. So whose job is it to strip ourselves? Amen. A lot of us are keep waiting for God to do the stripping of our old nature. God, here I am. Take away all these bad habits. Take away all these desires, Lord. Here I am. I'm a piece of clay in your hand. Hit me, Lord. And God's like, I've already done everything that I'm ever going to do about your old man. You have to strip off the old nature. How do we do that? We have to change the way. Your nature doesn't come from your body. It comes from the way that you think. We have to strip out this old way of thinking that we've been raised with. Amen? We don't know, that, we don't know what we don't know. That is deep. We don't know what we don't know. And you might have been raised... People were raised for years and years and years and thought things were just, that's just how they were. But if that's just how you were raised, it doesn't mean that it was right. Amen? It doesn't mean that you were right. It just means that that's how everybody was raised around you and you just followed along with that pattern of thinking. That's where racism came from. 
I was raised with that. That's just how my father was, his father was. We believed X, Y, and Z. Until you get born again and you find out that's not what the Bible says. So now you have a biblical interpretation of what I just talked about before, which is love. Love and racism don't go hand in hand with each other. I like what Ivan Tate said, you can't be racist and go to heaven. There are no racists in heaven. You are going to hell with a Bud Light. I don't know. I, I like to do my Ivan Tate impression. It's pretty funny. I want to. Hala, hala, shama, shama, shala, bada bing. I'll go back here and encourage myself. Praise God, Ivan. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shama Shama. Verse 23. And be constantly, say constantly. Now, what's constantly mean to you? Why do we have to be constantly renewing our mind? Because it's that easy to slip back into an old way of thinking. If there was a big boulder put outside, and let's just say it was just put there two days ago, I could take three or four of us and we could move that boulder and push it out. But if that boulder's been there for 20 years, it's created an indention in the ground. And if I push it out and I stop pushing it out, what's it do? It rolls right back into where it fits. That's what our thinking does. If we are not constantly renewing our minds, if we are not constantly seeking time in the Word, finding and identifying thought patterns and things that are not helpful to us. Hey guys, we're all believing God for something, right? What would you think if it was just maybe one little thought pattern that was in your way from getting what you're believing for? One little way that you're thinking right now is preventing you from getting what that thing is that you're believing for. And if you were to find out what that is, I could renew my mind in that area. I could move that out of the way, and now I receive manifestation of what I'm believing for. Your thoughts can limit you as much as anything else in your life. You'll never rise above your most dominant thought. You're never going to rise above it. How you see yourself, you're never going to rise above how you see yourself right now. It's impossible. So you have to get a revelation of who Jesus says you are in the book. You have to spend time locating and finding out about this great love that he has for you. And there's nothing wrong with saying, Jesus loves me. Oh, no, it's not about me. Shouldn't be, but sometimes it should be. Amen? So we are to constantly, say constantly. Constantly renewing my mind. So whose job is it to constantly renew our minds? My job. It's my job to strip off the old nature, and it's my job to constantly renew my mind. We all understand that. No one, guess what? Husbands and wives, your spouse can't do it for you. They can try. They can try really hard, but they can't strip you of your old nature, and they cannot renew your mind. Amen? It is something that we have to do on purpose. We have to go into the Word with our eyes open and the lights on, to find out, Lord, you know what? We have to be honest with ourselves, right? That's scary sometimes. Lord, I got all this stuff that's in my heart. I don't always think the best things, Lord. I get attacked in my mind sometimes, and I wonder, where does that come from? But I don't dwell on that. I don't even know where that comes from, Lord. That's not even godly. We all get attacked. Don't just think, don't just think, well, Pastor Jack, he has those butterfly angel thoughts. 
No, I don't. A, I'm a man. Amen? I'm a man. So I have to keep my mind really clean. Amen? There's not a godly man that hasn't been attacked in his mind being a man. Amen? When you got sons too, you're like this with your sons. Don't look at, no, 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 don't what, turn the TV off. Turn them, you know, because they're just constantly bombarded with visual stimulation. Amen? So we have to constantly, constantly, constantly. So I do want to talk about, just very briefly, if you don't mind, what are those three characteristics of sin? All sin is going to come through one of three ways. Amen? And if we get into a little detail, it'll help us identify potentially some areas that maybe we're a little clogged in. Our unrenewed self is characterized three ways. Let's go to 1 John. Did, did, we, did we even mention that today was pastor's birthday? Did we even hit that yet? Do we know that today is your pastor turned 79 years old today? Now, don't be wrong. We hit him with, with no, we, we hit him with cinnamon roll birthday cake this morning and, but wish him happy birthday. We're going to do a nice big cake and a little celebration after church on Sunday. So Michelle's birthday's tomorrow and you can hook them both up with a little Pentecostal handshake and they would be very, very thankful for that. Amen. So 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. Amen? So the first one we talk about is the lust of the flesh. Now, the first thing, what's everybody automatically think of when you say the lust of the flesh? Sex. So we think that that whole scripture just has to do dealing with sex, the lust of the flesh. That is the tip of the iceberg. Amen? That word lust, which is not, it's not a, we are to lust the things of the spirit. We are to lust spiritual gifts. We're to lust after God. Lust can be a good thing, but when it's used in a fleshly sense, then it's a detrimental thing. Does everybody understand me? Lust has gotten a bad rap because it's used so much in the world that it has a negative connotation to it. But in reality, I want to lust after the things of God. I want to be passionate about spiritual gifts. We are to lust to use spiritual gifts. How many of you want to use spiritual gifts? How many of you want to be used by God for spiritual gifts? Guess what? you got to lust after it like you do that Snickers bar. you got to want it. Amen? you got to lust after that thing. It's got to be a desire. So, lust simply means a desire, an eagerness for, an inordinate desire. It means passion built on strong feelings. And flesh is exactly what you think it is. It means flesh, but it actually means human nature. Does everybody know that there's three types of people in the world? The natural man, 
the spiritual man and the carnal man. When you were born into this world, you are a natural man. You are born into the sin that was here through Adam and Eve. You are a la natural. Amen? Once you get born again, begin renewing your mind, get discipled, you are now a spiritual man. But there's this other class, which is called the carnal man. And that is somebody who got born again, but never did anything to gain any revelation in the things of God. They never grew. They never got discipled. They never renewed their mind. And they stayed the same age their entire Christian life. Those are the most dangerous people on the face of the earth. Because they hold a little bit of religion in their life. They know it to be true, but they've never developed any power, and they have kept all of their opinions. That's why abortion is legal in this nation, because of carnal Christians. Why we are today is because of carnal Christians, people that claim to be part of a church, claim to know Jesus, but have never read his word, never spent any time with him, never walked in any power, never consummated the marriage... But because they were raised in a denomination, they, they tout what they do by saying, well, I'm a Christian. You're a carnal Christian. You said a little prayer once, but you never did anything to renew your mind. And they're the most dangerous. So, the lust of the flesh. Any decision done apart from faith. The lust of the flesh is any decision you make apart from faith. So it's not just sex. Any decision we make apart from faith is the lust of the flesh. When I say I want something and I'm not willing to go through God to get it, I'm going to get it on my own, that's the lust of the flesh. Anybody deal with the lust of the flesh? I do. We all do. See, it's not just men. It's not just lusting after things that we... It's those... The things that get us, guys, are not the big things. It's these little bitty foxes. Well, I'm going to make this thing happen on my own. I'm going to manipulate this thing for it to be in my favor. I'm going to talk my way into... I'm going to do... And what we're trying to do is we are trying to become our own God. Anything that we do apart from faith is the lust of the flesh. Number two, it is unaided human effort. Unaided human effort. I don't need God. I will do this all on my own. How much does God want to be in your life? In every way. God wants to be in every part of your life. He wants to help you. He doesn't want to micromanage your life, but he does want to be involved in your decisions. If you're going to buy a house, include God in the decision. If you're going to buy a car, include God in the decision. If you're talking about where to send your kids to school, include God in the decision. Don't just get out there and think because you're a Christian and go to church that you could just make decisions. That is a carnal Christian. I don't just pick and choose where I need God's input. I need God's input in every area of my life. That's how involved he wants to be. Why is it? Because he knows what's best for us. So when I try and get in there and make something happen, I'm going I'm to go out, I'm going to make a bunch of money. That is you putting yourself on the throne and saying, I am God, I will make this thing happen. 
That is the lust of the flesh. Number three, decisions, actions that originate from self or are empowered by self. Decisions and actions that originate from self or are empowered by self. What can I do? Self. I am going to make this happen. I am going to go get a job. I am going to go get married. I, I, I. Do you see how many times we use I when it comes to the lust of the flesh? I, 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 I. Who's famous for using the eyes? Isaiah chapter 14. I will ascend to heaven. I. When we're using I all the time, it's the lust of the flesh. Give me some examples. Lust of the flesh, real quick. Examples. You're scared now. I know. I'm watching. You're like, oh, I'm not saying anything. He's, he's on a roll. Lust of the flesh. Overeating. There you go. That's a good one. Lust of the flesh. Overspending. That's a good one. Overspending. The lust of the flesh. What else? TV binging, right? When I'm watching hours and hours of media or TV, what am I feeding? My flesh. Now listen to me. Don't get under a works mentality too, like you can't do anything. Amen. The question is, is who's your God? Can you turn the TV off if he asks you to? If you can't, then you have a problem. Can you have one cookie without eating 15? That's very real. Amen. What am I doing? See, look at me. A lot of times the feeding of the flesh, alcohol, food, pornography, all these things, we have given them a place higher than God in our lives. That's my comfort. If I can just get home and get on my back porch and get me a beer or a glass of wine and I can put those kids in front of Barney. Is Barney even still out anymore? <laughs> Wesley, help me out. Barney, no? No bueno por nada? Okay, no problem. If I can just get away, if I can just get away from everybody, if I can just get alone, if I can just smoke this cigar, if I can just drink this beer, if I can just have this cry, if whatever that is, that's who your comforter is. Who's your comforter? The Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter. God wants to be the thing that's your, your go-to thing when you're, when you're stressed out. Amen? But a lot of times we say, well, I deserve a blizzard. I'm just going to Dairy Queen. I've earned it today. Sorry, Mom. I've had a hard day. Turn that thing upside down, show you that it's not going to drip. Here's your blizzard. Lust of the flesh. All right, lust of the eyes. Once again, lust of the eyes is passion that's built on strong feeling. And that eye, it means the mind's eye. The lust of the eyes are envy and jealousy. When I look at what other people have and jealous because they have it, or I covet what other people have, that is the lust of the eyes. This is how politicians get elected. They create a class warfare to make one group of people think that another group of people has something that they don't have. And so they makes that group covet or be jealous what somebody else has. And if you'll elect me, 
I will take it from those people after I subtract 90% of it for myself, and I will redistribute it to you if you will vote for me. Do you see how these guys and these women get elected? I'm talking both parties. I'm, I'm saying this is how politicians work. They have. How did the devil get Eve to eat the apple? She looked at it, and she saw that it was pleasant for food. The lust of the eyes. And you know what's funny? Is that Eve, Adam and Eve probably looked at that apple for a long period of time before she ever ate it. She just looked at it. But once the devil started talking to her, then she looked at it. And then she looked at it again. And the more she looked at it, the more enticing it became. Isn't that funny? The more you tell somebody you can't have something, the more they want it. You can't have that chocolate. Oh, I want that chocolate. You shouldn't have said that. So I'm going to have that chocolate now. The more, that's human nature. That is the sin fallen nature. The more we tell people what they can or cannot have, the more we make them want it. That is the flesh. It rises up. It wants to be satisfied. Yeah, you can't tell me. You're not the boss of me. Amen? It is the lust of the eyes. That's Genesis 3.6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and, and pleasing to the eye, that lust of the eyes means to watch from a distance till you're moved to action. What the devil wants to do is make you look at something over here. Well, why do they have that? Well, well, why don't I have that? Well, I've been in this job longer than they have. Well, why are they getting a promotion? Why do you have a new car? I had a guy call me that I'd gone to Bible school with that had had a mental breakdown and was in a mental institute in Fort Worth, Texas. And the dean called me and said, would you call him? He wants to talk to you. Oh, sure. Love to talk to him. But what had happened is he got blessed with a, like a 1967 Mustang. And Michelle and I had bought a new car. And he was upset that he got a 67 car and I got a new one. It affected him that much. Now, there were other things going on. But I'm just saying that was just a piece. That is the lust of the, lust of the eyes... You see the power that it has over our minds? To constantly sit there and think that you're not... Folks, how do I say this tactfully? We got to quit feeling sorry for ourselves and be comfortable in our own skin and know that you're a firstborn child and daughter of the living God and the living King, that you're not a second-rate citizen, that there's nothing about your physical appearance, your gender, your race, your hair, your color, anything, that in any way, shape, or form diminishes who you are in Him. When I, get, when I identify in Him, we're all the same. Amen? When you get to heaven, it's not going to be, we're going to be very surprised. It's not all full just of white people. There are people that are going to go to heaven that think it's just full of white people. 
They're going to be very surprised. Well, they won't get in probably if they think that because that produces a wrong thinking. This is what heaven's going to look like. It's white. It's black. It's tall. It's big. It's short. Amen. The wrapper has nothing to do with what's on the inside. Amen. But what happens is, is that we get placed in these divisions where men are better than women, white is better than black, yellow is better than green, tall is better than short, fast is better than slow. And so we start getting cut up into all these little pieces that only matter down here. Doesn't matter up there. Amen? It's who you are on the inside that matters. Do you know what you're going to be judged for when you get to heaven? You're going to love this. One thing you're going to be judged for. Were you obedient to do what he asked you to do? That's it. That's it. You're not going to be judged for how many people you got saved. You're not going to be judged for how many missions trips you went on. You're not going to be saved for singing in the band. You're not going to be saved for anything. What you're going to be judged for is, is did you do what God called and created you to do? That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. So don't you think it's important that we find out what that is? Say, I have a calling. Say it again. I have a calling. I don't have a job to make money. I have a calling to fulfill a destiny. You find out what your calling is, the money will follow. Don't spend your whole life trying to make money. Don't go to college and try and make money. Or get married. <laughs> no. Don't go. <laughs> Amen? Find out what your calling is. Because once you find out, your calling might be working with the four-year-olds at West Houston Christian Center, and there might be only seven of them. But if that's all you're called to do, do it with all your heart, because that's where your blessing is. Can I just prove a point to you? How many of our ladies were in the back when we drew the tickets in here and got a present? See, Barbara and your name again? Just kidding. Jessica? They were working mothers working on Mother's Day, which we try not to do that, but they stepped in and they helped us. They were working in the back. The blessing was in here. But you see, the blessing went to where they were supposed to be and not where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in here. But they went to their place of service, and guess what? Their blessing followed them to where they were. That's what we're going to be judged for. Was I obedient to what God called me to do? That's why there's so much calamity in the world because there's so many people that are in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. That's 100% reason why there's accidents, why there's so much calamity in the world because people are in the wrong places doing the wrong things and we're banging into each other because you're not supposed to be there. Whatever you desire, the lust of the eyes is whatever you desire greater than God. It's coveting what others have. The desire to have people's possessions or status. Coveting not just what they have, but who they are. I want to be them. Why do they get to be that? Why do they, why, why this whole privilege thing? It's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not privileged, I'm blessed. I don't walk in privilege. 
I walk in the blessing of God. Anybody can walk in the blessing of God. God doesn't pull anybody out and just say, this group is blessed. We're all blessed. If we will actuate, if we will come into the covenant and go into that blessing by faith, it'll work for anybody that gets involved in it. The blessing of Abraham came on all. We're all blessed through Jesus Christ. Amen? And then finally, the pride of life. Assurance in one's own resources or instability of earthly things. And I think this is the one that a lot of us deal with the most. Is we put our trust in what we have. We put our trust in our savings. We put our trust in our homes. We put our trust in our jobs. We put our trust in our bank. We put our trust in our jobs. And if all those things could be gone tomorrow, all of it could be wiped out tomorrow. Amen? The pride of life is me putting faith in anything other or above the Father. Who's our source? God's my source. Amen? And just right there, the word alone, pride of life. Did God ever say, I'm proud? No. Who uses pride? What's the original sin? Pride. Before Adam and Eve ever fell, there was a sin that took place, and that's when Satan fell from heaven because of pride. Isaiah 14, 13. It says, I will ascend to heaven. Could you imagine the devil telling this? I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set up the mount of assembly. I will sit upon the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the heights uh, of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. The pride of life is acting independently of God. So I have to make sure in my daily life, am I acting dependent upon God or am I acting independently from Him? Am I, am I a self-made man? No one ever helped me. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I went out there. Nobody helped me. I did it all alone. You know that guy or woman? And you, you, you just want to go, who put breath in your lungs? Who put you in a position where you could even get an education? Who gave you a mind that was able to even comprehend and understand the things that you learned? Who put a blanket on you that night when you don't even know where it came from? Where'd that food come from? Oh, yeah, I pulled myself by my own bootstraps. That's the epitome of the pride of life. I did this. I made my own way. I didn't need God. I didn't need faith. I just went out and I made it all my own. Guess what? It all just gets burnt up at the end of time. Do you know what's going to be sitting there at your feet when all the the, the junk is burnt up? Your obedience. This is all I got left, God. This is what, this is it. This is what's sitting at my feet. Remember we talked about money being the least thing? You know, you might have a billion dollars, but it means you just have a billion least things. Money is the least thing. It really is. It's the least thing, but yet it's the thing that we work for the hardest. It's the thing that we worry about the most. It's the number one reason for divorce in the United States today. It's money. It's the stress that money brings to a marriage. Whether you have too much or not enough. Most of the time it's because you don't have enough. Amen? It's really quiet. Is everybody okay? I got to get to something good.
When I renew my mind, I am exchanging these carnal, selfish, devil of ways of thinking with his thoughts. Right thinking makes holy living. Right thinking makes holy living. When I take the Word of God and I renew my mind on purpose and I exchange His thoughts for my thoughts, amen, when I bring everything into the light, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and I say, Lord, you're right. I'm trying to, I keep trying to make this thing happen on my own. Just repent. Lord, I'm dealing with a lust issue in my heart. I don't know why, Lord, I'm, I'm lusting after this. Bring it into the light. Renew your mind. Find out what the root of that thing is. Why am I jealous, Lord? Why does everybody else seem to be doing so much better than me? Why am I the only one the word doesn't work for? You're not. There's a reason that it's not working. And most of the time, it's a thinking pattern that you have that you're going to have to get out of the way so that God can begin to work in your life. You have to change the way that you think. Prison does not change a man in prison. You are isolating him and pulling him away from society so he can no longer harm anybody else, but his mind goes untouched. So that when he comes out of prison, yes, he's been in for a little bit of time, but his mind is exactly the same as when he went in. That's why he goes back and does the exact same thing over again. Just separating yourself from people isn't going to fix the problem. You're the problem. It's the way that we think that goes with us. When people leave the church offended, they think that the problem was here. No, no, the problem was here. And you're taking the problem with you, and it's going to manifest exactly the same way. And the more you keep leaving, the quicker it's going to show up. People that deal with a spirit of rejection, they, they're, they're used to being rejected. They want to be rejected. They can't help but want to be rejected because that's all they know. It's a way of thinking that has to be renewed in their minds. Come on. It, we have to change. We have to get an inner image of what God says about us. We have to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We have to speak about ourselves the way that God speaks about us. Don't call yourself dummy. Don't call yourself stupid. Don't call yourself slow. Don't call yourself stupid. Hear what I'm saying? Don't call yourself a second-class citizen. Don't call yourself all those things. Call yourself those things that God says that you are. Amen? What does God say that you are? Come on. You got to know. Who does God say that you are? You're blessed. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm the head of the dog. I'm not the tail. I'm a firstborn child of the king. I'm not a second redheaded stepchild that doesn't get anything on Christmas. Folks, listen to me. Listen, this is hard, okay? I don't know why I get all the hard stuff. There's no victims in heaven. There's no victims in heaven. We have to renew our mind from a victim mentality. That everything that always happens to me happens to me because I'm a victim. No, a lot of times what's happening to us is because of our poor choices. Amen? We can't just say, I'm a victim. I'm singled out. I'm picked on. That's always been this way. Yes, it's been that way because there's a pattern and there's a spirit there that's taken up residency that makes you think you're the victim. 
But God is saying tonight, you can be free of that. You can walk in total freedom of the mind. Sound good? I'm so glad the young people are in here tonight. I'm so glad y'all are in here because I wish I would have learned this when I was 12 or 13 or 14 years old. Amen? You are not subject to your thoughts. Your thoughts should be subject to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Colossians 3, 2 through 5. Set your mind on things that are above and not on earthly things. And I'll, and I'll end with this. I have a question. Do you spend more time thinking on the promises of God or more times on your problems? Do you spend more time thinking about the promises of God or the problem that you're in right now? You have to make a switch. You've got to spend, when we get attacked, we spend more time talking about the problem than we do reminding ourselves of the promise. Amen? I'll never leave you. I'll never beseech you. I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his offspring beg for bread. I'll never leave you. I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way relax or release my hold on you. I love you deeply and passionately. I created you, therefore I take full responsibility for you and all of your offspring. And as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I want to bring blessing into your home. I want to see you prospered. I want to see you promoted. I want, the Father wants the very, very best for us. But if we don't think that, we'll never get it. We have to know that that's what his will is for my life. God did not create anyone to fail. God did not create anyone to fail. He created each and every one of us to be victors. He created each and every one of us with a purpose and a plan and a destiny. And it goes back to what I said before. Find out what is your calling Find out what you're called to do. And some of you will be very, very surprised what that is. Amen? Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of God that's gone forth in power. And Lord, I just, just close your eyes. Father, I just pray over every person in this room in the sound of my voice. And Lord, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are mindsets that have been holding people back. Lord, I see people in this room right now, Father, and, and every time it seems to happen, they get so close to something and it just seems to get ripped away at the last moment. And a lot of that has to do with the way that you're thinking about that situation. I would just humbly submit that each and every one of us needs to check our motives and our agendas about what we're doing and make sure that our, our heart is pure about what we're trying to do. Am I doing something because I want the attention? Am I doing something so that I'll get some sympathy? We can be so self-defeating in our thinking that we don't even know that we're doing. It's just natural and normal to us. So, Father, I just pray right now, Lord, I just pray for healing in our minds and in our thoughts. I take authority over traumatic experiences and traumatic memories. We take authority over past abuses, words that have been spoken, 
in anger that weren't your fault. And Father, I just thank you right now for the healing power of God flowing from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. And just listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You are loved by God. And you are accepted and you are received. And you have a seat at the Father's table. And no one can take that place from you and no one can sit in your place but you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Love you. We'll see you Sunday.